Today's show, we go right to the heart of the matter. What is your brand? What's your brand? Are you painter guy? Are you team book guy? Are you toy guy? Are you executive guy? Uh, w- which brand fits you the best? Or which brand do you think fit fits characters and talent the best? Uh, di- directors, are, are you blockbuster guy? Are you auteur guy? And then we get to the heart of characters as well. It's all about branding. What brand are you bringing to the page? What brand do the fans know you by? We go all in on who's what brand is it? Where is it anyway? On today's Robservations. And here we go. We're off with another episode of Robservations. I'm Rob Liefeld. I'm your host. Uh, it's going to be about comic books and and comic book superheroes and everything that comic book and comic book superheroes touches. So that's your fair warning. If this is your first time and you got the wrong Robservations, there you go. I'm just letting you know uh, comic books is my life, uh, just like soccer is life for Pele. And uh, basketball was life for MJ. Comic books is my life. I talk about them. I talk about everything that that's going on with them because now there's something new every day. Not a single day is there not a headline about a comic book. Something very very often not as much about the comic books as we would like. But I can uh, get to control that here on my you know podcast and steer you where I would <laughs> where I would very much like you to go. And and I will always very much like you to go back to the comic book to the source. You know, because I'm going to say this, like literally, we don't talk about the dreamers. We are the dreamers. We are the makers of dreams. Uh, the comic book guys, the guys that started it, where you don't get a, you don't get a, a Suicide Squad movie without, you know, without a, 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 you know, a comic book that features the Suicide Squad or, or any of these great, uh, you know, creations that we all know and love so much. I mean, it's uh it's it's so many of you guys have so many of you guys have turned on uh the peacemaker in in recent recent weeks as it is uh it as as it has debuted across uh HBO Max and and garnered so much attention and really given John Cena his breakout role I mean I'm not, I'm not sure the guy was like a list he was reaching he was positioning his agents his management it's not that his talent wasn't there but everybody needs that role. They need that role to land them there, to get them there, to fly them safely into that. Into that. I mean, he was in a he was in the Fast and the Furious movies, and and that was awesome, right? I mean, that was killer. Uh, you know the 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 thing is that that with uh, you know with with him taking, I mean, taking on, uh uh uh, you know, the Fast and the Furious, it gave him a foothold to a much bigger, you know family of films now he's in this giant bazillion dollar um you know billion dollar franchise but you know it was still about so many more aspects it wasn't necessarily it wasn't um it wasn't a hundred percent a john a john cena franchise but now boom you know with, with with uh with the advent of of the the peacemaker He's really found his giant megawatt, uh, megawatt, you know, franchise. And 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 as I watch Peacemaker, you know, I'm like, well, how many people know that it was created by a guy named Joe and Pat? Two guys, you know, Joe Gill and Pat Boyette. Okay, and 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 like I, I just feel like we should know their names. We should know. We should know. You know. Joe Gill and Pat Boyette a lot better than we do. I, I saw a guy on Facebook had been praising some collection of the earliest, I guess, either out of print or they're, they're contested there. It was the moniker of public domain peacemaker. Now, peacemaker isn't in the public domain. And even if he was, you'd have to spend a lot of money to prove it. So I'm not here to, on any level, you know, propose that peacemaker. And even when I looked into it, it's like, well, these five or six stories, the copyrights weren't enforced. So, so these, 
you know, anybody can use. Again, that that's all above my pay grade. I did not do one iota of research into that, but I bought it. I have all the other Peacemaker stuff. And I looked at it and really good stuff, solid comic book storytelling, especially for the time period that it was in, which is early 60s. And uh, I mean, but I sat there and I'm like, you know, it's I was stumped. And, and of course, their names are in this Peacemaker created by. And so, you know, Gil and Boyette didn't know that. And, and what a damn shame that I don't know that because there's no one disputing that they created the Peacemaker, okay, and gave John Cena this giant role now. And even if he plays it over the top... No way. He looks like the peacemaker I grew up with, that I was entertained by in the Charlton comics prior to him being purchased by DC Comics along with all the Charlton, you know, identities, uh, uh, Captain Adam, Blue Beetle, uh, you know, and again, we've been over it many times. Any Watchmen or Alan Moore podcast that I've done, and I've done a bunch of them, will tell you how they were primed and ready to be the cast of the Watchmen, and it was going to be an adult take on whatever happened to these Charlton characters. But DC wisened up. I'm sure now they're like, whoa, are, are, are we a lot smarter for throwing that cold water in our face and going, in our face and going, no, 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 Alan, sorry, no, 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 uh, we're, we're, we're pulling back. Not the Charlton characters. No, 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 uh, make your own. Uh, we've got plans because... <laughs> if, if Alan had done the Charlton characters and that is possibly the best what if it, it is is if no one came to their senses and realized well whatever we paid because they bought the Charlton catalog DC Comics bought the Charlton catalog whatever they bought you know at that moment had they gone into the Watchmen verse which as far as Alan was concerned was was a 12 issue story and that was it it was over it was a, it was done a lot of those characters would have died and, and that's their end. So it was like, we, we bought this for you to kill it, Alan. Uh, really, honestly, great, great. We all got, you know, the benefit of, of some, some, some pretty good decision-making there because then there was a Paul Cupper, uh, Paul Cupperberg written, uh, Peacemaker series. There was, a uh, I, I just remember Paris Collins was the artist that, that drew Blue Beetle. Pat Broderick was, um, you know, drawing Captain Adam. I, I didn't come to this. To be honest, this wasn't even what I was going to talk about when I booted up today. So forgive me for not having the writers who wrote these. And look, if you if <laughs> if you really wanted more proof that I'm an artist guy and always will be, and I buy comic books for the pictures, it's uh, that I can tell you the people who drew these comics more than I can tell you the people who wrote them. But bottom line, Gil and Boyette, we need we deserve to know their names. And, and I, I hope that sometime in the next decade or more, you know, we see the names of these comic book guys right at the front. Robert Kirkman's got it good. Walking Dead, before we fade into the episode, during the credits, it tells you based on the comic book by Robert Kirkman. Uh, you know, uh, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure Invincible does, if Invincible does their, their credits early or late. Uh you know, like I said, this is this is you're getting the raw, the raw Rob today. I I just came at, at you with a bucket full of topics, but but stay with me because we're gonna get there. And uh, that's my thing. That's really what's up my craw, it, which which is something someone in the 1950s or Andy Griffith would have said. And you're like, who the hell is Andy Griffith? Uh, you'll see. Um, when he dies, I have he did a bit with my wife and her sisters for Disney when they were all under contract together and I'll, I'll be throwing that everywhere. Andy Griffith, uh, 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 you know, uh, all of these, uh, these crazy greats from the past in the fifties that, that Dick Van Dyke, them too. They have, they, they've got pictures with Dick Van Dyke <laughs> and in the eighties they were old and you're like, wait, it's in the two thousands. But, but something up my craw, a 1950s saying I'm, I'm using something up my craw is uh, got my craw, whatever the, saying is, is that we still don't know the comic book people's, um, you know, we don't know their, uh, their names as prominently as we should. And, you know, again, I can go to the fact that, like I told you guys, when I attended the Spider-Man, uh, you know, No Way Home premiere and people were like, well, why weren't Spider-Man creators there? And I, I know what they're trying to say. Why weren't more people who worked on Spider-Man there? I, I really can't answer you, but the answer that I gave online was, well, they're dead. And I've covered this. Stanley and Steve Ditko, they created Spider-Man. They created Green Goblin and Doc Ock and Craven and 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 Scorpion and you know 
all of those characters, Electro, Vulture, they, they created those characters. And they're no longer with us. So technically, and Doctor Strange, holy shnikes, and Doctor Strange, okay? So 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 for all intents and purposes, the guy, the, the, the two guys, if you, um, you know, if, if you travel back in time and Arnold Schwarzenegger is acting as the Terminator and he takes out Stan and Steve, you're not getting Spider-Man or any of that stuff. If, if Arnold puts a bullet in anybody else's brain but mine, you know, you're still getting Deadpool. But if Arnold goes... I must kill you and stop the Deadpool. Well, then you're never getting Deadpool. Uh, uh, you know, uh, otherwise, I'm still getting on the phone with another guy and telling him this is who Deadpool is, this is his background, and this is what he should be saying. Okay? The, the creators are the guys that generate the characters, and no matter what they're doing, as, as over the top as perhaps John Cena plays the Peacemaker with that chrome helmet, that absolute, uh, the identity that he wears and appears as, that was created by Gill and Boyette, and and we should know that. So so there there. Look at that. I, I did that for for ten minutes. I, I now you're like, hey, but I just feel like it's not just Peacemaker. It's everybody. We should know. We should know all the creators of all the characters. But that segues me perfectly into you guys. This is a segment that we're going to call Buyer Beware. This is one that I did plan on talking about. Buyer Beware. What's going on in the comic book marketplace? Which is interesting. And I had to give it up myself. I gave it up a couple of years back. And for a couple of years, it was everything that I did. It was what I eat, ate. It was what I, you know, breathed in regards to comics because I was, I was buying into the frenzy and that frenzy has not stopped. And the frenzy is, sometimes it's both of the major publishers once a week now. And this has been confirmed to me by all three of my chief retail sources. All three of my retail sources have uh, comic book stores with comic book sites they're implemented. They've got the platforms. They've got the brick and mortars. They talk to me. I love to talk to them. I ask them what's going on. And they're like, well, you know, Rob, what's really helping is, you know, some of these, you know, first appearances that are coming out in the comic books each and every week. And Marvel knows it or DC knows it. And remember, kind of in the middle of the pandemic, you know, we got Batman really ramped it up and they started giving a new character every single issue with uh, Jimenez and, and James the Fourth. And, you know, there was Punchline and then everything that followed. And, you know, all, all of these different characters are like, well, who's going to be next? Who's going to be this and that? And I've got to have these first appearances. And that's great. And I was playing that game too. I remember when I was really, when I, when I really felt like, like it was, it was when Conan was coming back to the Marvel Universe. After 20 years, Marvel was getting the Conan license back in the same way that they got the Star Wars license back. And part of what they were doing that I thought was very groundbreaking and kudos to Marvel. I still to this day, I cannot believe we have a book that has Conan alongside Wolverine and Venom and Punisher and Elektra. Savage Avengers, uh, I'm not sure why that isn't the biggest book on the market. It hits all my buttons. It has all the hot-tempered, angry, cool folks, okay? But Conan, as a part of it, was just like, wow, holy crap, Savage Avengers, amazing! You know, but they did a storyline, of course. They, they, they slowly introduced Conan through some chapters of the regular Avengers title. And I remember my retailer called me that... Wednesday morning, Rob, you need to go over here. I'm going to pull one for you, but I can only pull one. But it's the first appearance of Conan in the Marvel Universe, stepping into the Marvel Universe. But I'm like, well, wait, he was in the Marvel Universe in a couple of what-if magazines back in the... Oh, yeah, those are already... Those are shot up in price, too. Okay, so the 1970s what-ifs that had Conan walk in the earth. Okay, so those are... Those are legit, like, his first. And now that he's back, woo! But this is, I guess, the proper, because those what-ifs are alternate realities, but feels like everything is, sidebar, an alternate reality nowadays. But, uh, so, so, I raced over to get my Avengers that had the first Conan being summoned by the Dark Sorcerers, but it was kind of maybe even, like, a partial panel. It was kind of like Wolverine at the end of Hulk 180, as opposed to the full appearance in Hulk 181. But I bought it. And then I bought the next issue with Conan, with the Avengers. And, man, I was, I was... Piling them up. And around this time, guys, not, not, eh, maybe just a little before, I was buying Red Goblin. Do you guys remember Red Goblin? Green Goblin, all in red, killer Alex Ross covers and other cool variants. Red Goblin, Red Goblin, you got my Red Goblin, right? Do you have my first appearance of Red Goblin? What is the first appearance? Is that him on the cover? Is he on a variant of a cover before he appeared? In the, I mean, all of this stuff. You guys know that all of this stuff takes place. It's all part of the Echo it's all part of the discussion. And um, I had to stop because, so, because you buy it and you want to read in the chat rooms and on social media and you want to raise your flag. I got it. 
I got it. I got my Red Goblin. I got my Conan in the in the Marvel Universe, man. I got it. And uh, the other day when I walked in, I said, hey, what's going on? They're like, oh, everyone's after Red Panther. And I, <laughs> I, <laughs> I thought I could say it without laughing. Sorry. Red Panther. Well, I mean, how close are we if we put a little white in there and mix it up? Are we the Pink Panther? Um, I mean, how, how close are we going to get? Uh, Red Panther, Blue Panther. I mean, look. We are in this age, as I've discussed, I've done entire episodes, you should look them up on the derivatives, the age of the derivatives, derivatives. And and man, have I uh, been all in on derivatives before. But for 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 this time, for this purpose, uh, I just had to say, I, I got to put an end to it. I, I, I got to stop. So the bottom line is, you know, I, I, I towed the line at, at the Red Panther, but I, I, start, I started a long time ago. Before that, with 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 Red Goblin, with Red Goblin, and I just had to stop. But now nowadays, it's it's Goblin Queen, it's Goblin Queen. We got to get the first appearance of Goblin Queen. Okay, great guys, get Goblin Queen. It's got killer Art Adams covers. That's why I'm getting it. But it's this constant. We've got well, we've got this new guy. We've got you know uh, you know Hulk Tarantula or you know whatever Silver Surfer symbiote. Here's here's my deal. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pump the brakes right here. We literally just got announced recently as Sony expands the Spider-Man universe. We recently got that we're doing Madam Web, right? With um with uh the the daughter of Don Johnson and and uh she's in the 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 50 Shades of Grey movies and and look, Sony's going to make this, you know, Madam Web movie and I first saw Madam Web in the 80s. And and so you go 80s, 90s, 2000s, 2000s, okay, for almost almost I mean, we're pushing 40 years on an appearance of Madam Web. And she's going to get her own movie. Okay, so look, have I ran out? Did I run out to my box? Kick that lid open? Go Amazing Spider-Man. There it is. First appearance of Madam Web. I got it. Okay, I got Madam Web. Bitching. Yes, I did. Like many of you, I did. I did that. And, uh, you know, that's fun. And and why wouldn't we? Why wouldn't we, uh, you know, appreciate what we have? But here's my point. So you got Madam Web. Now, now we got we're getting a Craven movie, okay? And Craven's got Chameleon in it, and and you know again, like I said, there's not a day that a deadline doesn't come by. And this week we got two Craven movie deadlines about about uh, the Chameleon, and then maybe what who Russell Crowe is actually playing, although that, that had already been speculated. It, it kind of felt like two bites at the apple, but so we got Craven, and uh, I mean Craven's. I mean we're we're looking at sixty plus more years for him so so they're just getting around to making these and and if there was a spider-man cartoon right now in production that we knew of uh that was that was that was going out i'd say okay well you you got a better you got a better opportunity with that one okay you got a better opportunity in in regards to uh to getting that you know to take flight because because uh then then you've got something to feed You've you've got an apparatus. You've got a you know, uh, if, even if it was once a week, or if they did entire seasons and 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 did a dump of twenty episodes. I mean, th- then you've got a lot of these characters circulating. But my retailers will tell you, TV shows don't get the pop as much as movies. Movies get the most pop. You can test this with your own retailer. They're I'm sure going to have opinions because everyone has one when it comes to this. But it's like my buddy's like, well, Rob, villains don't don't hold. Villains don't hold. He's 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 just completely tried and true in regards to villains don't hold he said look apocalypse had a pop before apocalypse and then especially before we saw how they made oscar isaac look as apocalypse and then after the apocalypse apocalypse movie came so he's in a big budget 200 million dollar movie that you know was mostly disappointing for for most of us it's not the way we wanted or imagined um apocalypse to appear uh the value immediately craters and goes almost you know, it loses a lot of its value it was it was more more important and more exciting when it was announced and people chased down that X Factor issue with that first issue of that first appearance of, of Apocalypse. Most recently, it's Taskmaster. Hey, let's get that, you know, first appearance of Taskmaster. Hey, Taskmaster, he's going to be in Red Guardian. I mean, he's going to be in uh, Black Widow and uh, all the identity of Taskmaster. I mean, we, 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 saw the, we saw the trailer with Taskmaster in it. If you were in Hall H in the summer of 2019, 2019 that's when they first showed the footage of the bridge fight between taskmaster and black widow well you know black widow comes black widow goes whether you like taskmaster and task 
master or not, uh, you know, the, 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 you know, the, the value it has, has, has lessened. And, and that's the, the, uh, the advent of the villain doesn't hold the value as much as the hero or the primary character. And it could be an anti-hero like a venom, like a Deadpool. Um, but, uh, you know, so, so there's first, there's that, but secondly, I'm telling you, like, you're, you're going to do Goblin Queen before you get to Red Goblin, before you get to, I mean, we didn't even really properly get up. We, we didn't get a proper Hobgoblin, in my humble opinion. But here's completely going around this and, 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 and tying this up in a bow is we're getting the uh, sequel to Into the Spider-Verse, right? And we're all excited, and that excites me. And the thing that excited me the most was seeing that Spider-Man 2099 was going to be there. Well, Spider-Man 2099, killer, amazing visual, Mr. Rick Leonardi, crushing it. That came out in 1992, 30 years ago. We're finally going to see Spider-Man 1999 on the big screen in a giant uh, hundred-plus-million-dollar endeavor uh, when Into the Spider-Verse 2 comes out. He's kind of in the trailer. He was the, uh, you know, the real big centerpiece that they built all your attention around. And it got me excited. I mean, I literally, I was so excited, okay? But that's 30 years from now. So... At some point, you're breaking yourselves, getting these. Get them because you like them. You know me. I'm not going to tell you what to do. That's stupid. No one should tell anybody else what to do. But I'm going to give you a glimmer of if you're getting these, thinking they're going to hold their value in the weeks and the months to come. That's sketchy. And maybe you should... No, no. Not telling you what to do. Maybe you could. Giving you a possibility here. Maybe you could spend it on something else and 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 save up and get that Madam Web because that's already in traction. That's going. Okay? Um, again, if there was a cartoon that was feeding this and you were going to maybe get Goblin Queen and Red Goblin. Cause again, I, I'm, I still think Red Goblin is super cool. Um, and, and look, if his name was Scarlet Goblin or something like that, like just write me and tell me afterwards that I, that I buffed it. But, uh, you know, I just remember those cool Alex Ross covers more than I do the interiors, to be honest. But the thing is not all of this stuff is going to make it into the media, as you know, right now. Now, again, Am I, do I dig the fact that my Moon Knight number one from 1980 and my She-Hulk number one from 1979 that I've had since I was a kid that I was wise enough to put in a Mylar and, and, and a backing board, you know, 25 years ago when I was reboarding everything, am I, am I thrilled that those are up in price? Yes. And that they're now hundreds and thousands of dollars depending on their, you know, grade. Mine, I haven't slabbed them. They're just in their Mylars. They're just raw as the, as the retail. Well, that's raw. I, I love all the terminology. The terminology that's developed all these years is great. And look, when you go to big shows like New York and San Diego and Chicago and you see there's always that section with the big dogs, the Silver Age, the Golden Age, and now obviously the Bronze Age dealers. And, uh, those guys are sitting on gold mines. I mean, they have just watched everything go up, 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 up. Again, on my way out of a show seven years ago, grabbed an X-Men number one, the Stanley Jack Kirby original 60s X-Men number one. Got it for a good price, you know, $4,500. It's currently, because I, I had Stan sign it, went, went, went away, got that actually slabbed. And it is now a $50,000 comic based on recent sales. Super exciting. That's great. That's a gold mine. That's that's the fun. That so so please don't act like I'm not in on the action because I I am I am absolutely in on the action. But maybe you know maybe that first appearance of Punisher or Wolverine is 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 something. If if you held off on getting all of these characters, that I mean to be honest, I mean Goblin Queen, Red Goblin, Pink, Red Panther. Some of these characters they may not get to screen in your lifetime based on this track record. I mean. Certainly, if you were a teenager when you saw Craven, you have a walker and are likely in a diaper right now, okay? If you're a teenager when you saw Craven, and I'm talking about the first appearance of Craven, okay? In, in Amazing Spider-Man, you were there. You got it off the newsstand. There was no comic book stores, not in 1960-something, okay? And you were grabbing Craven. There is no way on God's green earth you are not now in your, you know, you're, you're, you're kissing your 70s likely, okay? It's, uh, or older. Oh, Craven, I loved him so much. He's the hunter. Craven the hunter. Well, Craven the hunter, you know, congratulations. Hopefully, you'll beat uh, uh, COVID and you'll beat World War III and you'll beat everything that is currently going on and make it to see, you know, Craven in a movie. But again, sometimes some of these characters, it's going to take, it's going to take a lifetime. Um, so that's, that's my buyer beware segment. I don't know that I've ever done buyer beware, but it was fun to talk about. 
It was really just fun to talk about because that's what we're all about is fun. You know, it's root for what you like. Uh, I, I didn't, I mean, I kind of chased those Conans. It wasn't even though that I thought they were value. Okay, uh, valuable. Like, like I, I, I'll tell you a, a book that I asked about its value the other day. And I got in trouble because people misread what I was asking. I was literally asking the value. I don't want to sell it. I just want the value. And everyone's like, oh, that creator would think you're, you know, whoring the news of his condition. But it's like, no, no, no. I just, I just want to know what the value is because I feel like this was always hard to get. And then, of course, I went and I saw, and, you know, this thing is now, this thing that I paid $70 for, $75, is now in the thousands. But here's what you got to understand. I don't sell anything. I don't sell anything. I have everything. I am just shy of being a hoarder. I have literally three storage units, okay? And they are jam-packed. One of them is literally just stuff that I have published myself in this 30 years since we kicked off Image Comics and I've been a publisher. And yes, I do have, you know, a, a, a case of Youngblood number ones, a case of Youngblood number twos. I mean, I have I have cases of all that stuff that came out 30 years ago. Profit, Glory, um, Supreme, Brigades, okay? But, but just beyond that, my own personal collection, my childhood collection that I kept in bags and boards and boxes, because once I found out that you should bag and board the books, I got tons of bags and boards, just like so many of you did. And uh, one of my friends, he knows who he is. He, he, I'd be like, hey, what are you doing? It's like, you know, some random evening. He's like, bags and boards. I'm doing bags and boards. And uh, that was his code for like, hey, man, just taking care of the collection. Just taking care of the collection. So I dig it. I love that my Moon Knight and my She-Hulk and some of these. But again, what, what are we doing right there? What are we doing? If, if I'm going back to 1980 for Moon Knight, you guys, that's 40 years. <laughs> I mean, 80 to 90 to 2000 to 2010 to 20. I mean, that's 42 years. Okay. So, so, uh, again, maybe, maybe don't chase all the waterfalls. Maybe, maybe, you know, maybe stick to the rivers, uh, that, that you're used to, right? TLC. Okay. So, Hey, what else are we talking about today? I'll tell you right now, what is your brand? I am obsessed with this. What's your brand? What do you mean? Life? Well, what is you're buying comics. You're bu- you're going to see movies. Let's pick an easy one, okay? What is Batman's brand? Batman's coming. The Matt Reeves, Robert Pattinson. What is the brand? Well, the brand looks grim and gritty, and and some say dark and goth. But what is Batman's brand? Period. He, well, he's the Dark Knight. What detective? And I've even read Matt Reeves like I want to show everybody what a great detective he is. And again, there was a lot of early on with Batman that he was going to be like Sherlock Holmes and solve mysteries and help Jim Gordon. But then along the way, did his brand slightly change a little to maybe like Enforcer of Gotham where you get the Dark Knight. The Dark Knight became greater than the detective part. And then depending on who does Batman, perhaps the branding does change from time to time. But but in essence, the character's brand is the Dark Knight detective. You know, Gotham crusader the gotham knight i mean it all kind of continues to circle back to one thing he is going to protect gotham and he does it in all manner of with all his different weapons and he has no superpowers so he's you know somewhat twisted which gets you back to the dark which gets you back to the dark and the dark knight um so so that that's what i'm talking about when i'm talking about like what is your brand because also like different Different artists, different personalities. I mean, I, when when I think of Michael Jordan in 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 sports, I think of champion. Uh, you've got to put obviously Tom Brady, their champion. Uh, for me, as a lifelong Laker fan, I think of Magic and Kobe as champions. Before anything else, I just think guys who who competed at the top level, who made it to X amount of finals, who you know they were winners. Now 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 you know Steph Curry is almost in that conversation in my mind. He should be. He's got what does he have four four rings, but. Or maybe three, maybe four. Uh, I didn't come on here to count Steph Curry's, but the bottom line is I think he's best shooter ever. What's is is his brand as a champion better than best shooter ever? Best best scorer. I mean, so so again, that that's that's what like what is your brand? Each and every person brings a brand to the table in in this business. Uh, I mean, honestly, we would we say Peter Jackson's brand is fantasy? I think we would. Peter Brand, Pe- <laughs> Peter Brand. Here I go talking too fast again. Slow it down. Peter Jackson's brand will, I mean, with three Lord of the Rings that even if you have the, the the you know, deluxe director's extra editions, 
in in that juicy box set like like so many of us do you're looking at you know 11 11 plus hours right i mean then he went and did the same thing with hobbit i mean the guys got multiple hours of television that we not, not television filmed entertainment multiple hours of filmed entertainment that we associate with fantasy and and when fantasy kind of turned and became the most mainstream i'm not sure that fantasy and peter jackson will ever outrun each other same with star wars george lucas right um but you know steven spielberg a little harder harder to define maybe he's just like auteur like the director's director because he's done so many things and done so many things well whether it's schindler's list whether it's munich whether it's E.T., Close Encounters, the Indiana Jones trilogy, or actually four movies that he did. Um, you know, some would say, well, he, he for a long, the longest time, because it was Close Encounters and, and E.T., and, you know, that they would say he was he was a uh, sci-fi guy. And then others would say he was the king of the blockbusters. Steven Spielberg, king of the blockbusters. Same same kind of house, you know, real estate that, that James Cameron occupies. But when it comes to comic book people... Uh, I'm going to tell you right now, after reading, you know, a decade of Chris Claremont on the X-Men and everything else he did during that time, Marvel Team-Up, uh, Ms. Marvel, uh, uh, Murata, the, Sheen Wolf, the She-Wolf. You're like, what? What is Murata, the She-Wolf? Go, go ahead. Google that. M-A-R-A-D-A. Brilliant with John Bolton. Um, everything Chris did, I'd call him, you know, wordsmith. He was a wordsmith. He liked, he liked to write a lot of words and captions and dialogue. He was very wordy, but very, very thoughtful. But I would call him a wordsmith. He was the wordiest of all the writers. And, uh, you know, one time Matt Hawkins, who is now over at Top Cow, uh, came to me and said, I think people base their decision on whether they like something with how long it takes to read. And he's like, you know, your average Chris Claremont comic takes about 15 to 18, 20 minutes to enjoy it. It feels like you got something out of it. And he's like, he named another writer that I will not name, but I have worked with and, and, and said, this guy, you can knock it out like with one setting, with one sitting, you know, in the restroom. That, that was, it was crass. That's what he said. I'm repeating it verbatim. Well, maybe not verbatim. It, it might've been a little cruder, but I'm not going to go there because your kids may be listening and I'm, and I'm trying to be better. And, and, and so, so, so he's like, uh, that's like a five minute read max. And, and, uh, and I think people appreciate that less. I think they like, maybe, maybe Chris knew, maybe he cracked the code because Matt then also said Neil Ga- Gaiman was more of a, subscribe to the Chris Claremont of it all, the wordsmith. And, and, and with Neil, I would say he was a poet, poet. Neil was more associated with poetry. But then if we're going to go comic books and keep going on this route, George Perez, the beloved George Perez, who we are so lucky is still with us as of this recording and his illustrious career, he is 100% absolutely defined by his ability to do team books. Team books. He did... So many of them. Fantastic Four, The Inhumans, X-Men, Avengers, Teen Titans, Justice League. I'm already tired. That, I'm not sure anybody just shy of Jack Kirby or John Byrne did just about as many team books as he did. And that, I'm leaving I'm leaving out Ultra Force. Um, I'm leaving out like, like a, a couple different team books that he did. George Perez loved to cram as many characters in. Crisis on Infinite Earths is the best, biggest, brightest, most... Uh, like expansive kind of team concept ever. It had multi, the heroes of every multiverse battling to save every multiverse during Crisis on Infinite Earths. He would, uh, I, people, and George has talked about this, people go, oh, well, I'm, I'm the rubble guy. I draw so much rubble because he loved to, especially in action sequences, draw all of the various collapsed rubble and debris from whatever building or, um, you know, uh, uh, base or, or street that, that the, that the big showdown was fought on. But the truth is, George is a team book guy. You think of him first, foremost, and always as a team book guy. And, you know, I, I think John Byrne, who I, you guys know I love so much, I think for the longest time, what he became was prolific. There was a time when 46 pages a month from him was just the norm. That's what he did. And no one had done that since Jack Kirby. And a couple times in his career, he batted out three books a month. So we're talking closer to, closer to 70 pages if you get the cover in there on all of these. 68, 70 pages a month. John Byrne was prolific. It helped uh, give him the microphone and the voice that he had, especially they were all so pretty. So They were drawn so pretty and so attractive and so commercial. He was absolutely 100% the prolific guy. And he would himself call attention to the comparisons 
that he felt were deserved of him being in the same category as someone like a Jack Kirby. He would draw comparisons to him being Jack Kirby all the time. So that that was a uh, that was an instance where you know it was interesting in reading, and I've read every one of John Byrne's interviews, been through many of them recently. He, he would constantly, you know, say, "Well, people, you know, think of me as a Kirby type with how prolific I am." He literally wanted you to consider him in that same vein, and I think he he belonged there. He was he was extremely prolific and um, lots of titles, lots of work. Did twice the work that somebody like George did. Um, which which shows you you can do you know fifty percent of the work that somebody like a John Byrne did in terms of page churn you know when George was doing twenty two twenty three pages a month John was doing forty six and 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 yet they're both favorites in their field during their time they dominated but one group group guy detail guy they would say and John Byrne I think more prolific storyteller and again the minute he went over to DC he did two. Superman books a month, not just one, two. So, uh, again, uh, I think with Frank Miller, a name you've heard me talk about so often here, I, I I think of him as kind of the, he was the first of the real, like, reboot guys because he rebooted Daredevil in his identity with with making it more crime and and Yakuza and and, and grindhouse films and, and uh, you know, much more street level and, and martial arts. And with just a tad bit of mysticism thrown in between the Yakuza, the hand, uh, stick, then you've got what he did with Dark Knight. And and it's phenomenal the way he reset that clock. And uh, just very, uh, also, I, I mean, certainly acclaimed for his time, certainly acclaimed. And, uh, and then, of course, I've already mentioned him, a guy like a Jack Kirby, who was the most prolific. I mean, the most prolific. Kind of, what's his identity? It's the king of comics. We already know it. We call him Jack the King Kirby. Jack the King Kirby. King of comics. The guy produced more work than anybody ever in the history of comic books, period, full stop. And it was fantastic. And and at the same time, I would argue, part of what made him the king was his incredible imagination and the unique way that he depicted armor and spaceships and and, and weaponry and costuming. I mean, he was the entire package. So hence why we refer to him as the King. I did an entire podcast. I've done, I've done a couple, but a couple about Stan and Jack, and then one in particular, which calls to comparisons, uh, which calls to the contrast ex- between the two of them and what I really believe their roles were. And, and Stan, the man, Lee, right? That was his moniker. I've told you Stan, I believe, was the Ryan Seacrest of the Marvel Universe. This is Marvel Comics. That's He was the spokesperson, hence the man. He was the guy that could get up on any stage and sell you the concept and the appeal of all of the Marvel Universe to college kids, to Hollywood execs. He traveled out to, you know, Hollywood to get this stuff set up. He saw Lou Ferrigno become the Hulk. He saw the CBS version uh, of of Spider-Man, those movies, and Doctor Strange, the two-hour movie in the 70s, and the Captain America, CBS stuff. He, he really locked into this, this relationship. Uh, he got the cartoons uh, more, you know, that became more productive with with Fantastic Four and Spider-Man and Spider-Man and his amazing friends. I mean, Stan came out here and he was indeed the man. He was a talker. He could do it. And uh, sometimes, though, I think identities shift. And one of my peers, like I, I was thinking about like somebody like a Todd McFarlane who, when he was coming out, I asked three different people today before I did this, what their, I said, Todd McFarlane, what's, you know, what's his brand? What's his brand? One guy said Spider-Man. One guy said Spawn. Another guy said toys. I fall on the toy side. I, I now and have for 25 years, I think of Todd. And again, I don't mean to, I just want to direct you if you want an entire like 70 minute dissertation on why I think Todd is, should be in the toy hall of fame because of what he did for toys and changed. And, and in that podcast, I'll tell you how he made an approach. He made a decided approach that, that the other big toy companies were cutting back on cost. Todd leaned in by really like the difference between why his Toys were so much better sculpted, and and had better, um, you know, um, the, the more movement and, and interaction and and more joints, and uh, it's because he decided to spend like another six, you know, six cents a figure, where that that can add up, but but he absolutely had to to stand out, and 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 his brand in toys that extra sculpting detail articulation that's the word I'm looking for when it comes to the joints and the movement. 
the extra articulation, the extra sculpting, you know, by the end of the 90s, you know, after he had been doing it for about five years, he told people, like, I'm making statues that you can put on your workplace desk. And he said, we get photos of people who, you know, who do this. Now, but five years ago, I think Todd wanted to switch his branding and become movie guy, director guy. I'm going to get you, I'm going to direct a Spawn movie. I've got a script. I'm going to do this. I've got a, you know, a collaborator. We're, we're, this is happening. That's, that's five years ago this summer. And we all went along for that ride. But at no point did he ever not stop being the toy guy. Uh, Todd, to me, is always... Uh, the toy guys. I mean, for a while it was going to be called Todd Toys before it was called McFarland Toys. But so to me, again, that branding has shifted over time. Three guys, Spawn, Spider-Man, Toys. And then, of course, he tried to pivot to, you know, director guy, movie guy. But now we really are more entrenched than ever in the in the toy guy because he, you know, struck the deal and and, and uh, Jim Lee championed him as as getting the, 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 the DC toy license. And he's toy guy and he's on Facebook making videos telling you I'm toy guy I'm toy guy so I really I mean you know what they say when someone tells you who they are believe them and uh interestingly enough again Jim Lee I think uh X-Men brilliant artist my favorite stuff he's ever done it, it, you know I really loved what Jim was doing on Punisher I may have slightly preferred the Punisher War Journal stuff to what he was doing on X-Men but it would not have popped uh X-Men was that that vehicle that 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 you know, Jim was able to ride to, to all new heights. And uh, he was, you know, artist guy, favorite artist guy. But in the last 10 to 15 years, I think of Jim as executive guy, behind the scenes guy, executive guy, calling the shots guy. I don't think he's drawn a series in five, six years. And and yet, you know, but he's been that executive that long time. So so a, 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 of current people, I, I think there's, you know, he's... Jim Lee executive guy. That's that's the brand that he currently holds. But if I go to Heritage Auctions and I, you know, want to buy a full splash page of his for $50,000, which is one of his full X-Men splash pages sold for a while back, um, which which again, it's weird. Is he X-Men guy or is John Byrne X-Men guy? Because in that same auction, John Byrne had a similar three-quarter page or fifth, half page splash, which sold for 108000 Dollars. So you got Jim Lee, King of the '90s, you know, uh, X Men guy doing a fifty-four thousand dollar page, as opposed to John Byrne, a hundred and eight thousand dollar page. So which one of these guys is the X Men guy? You tell me. What are we judging it by? And then Jim will just point to, well, look at my sales. But again, then like, well, where's that entire appeal? Like again, that the brilliance of that entire X Men run was it was sequels to stories we loved. Jim finally was the age as all of us want to do. I mean, I, and I mean that in the, the most fervent manner, give you more Hellfire Club, more Savage Land, more Imperial Guard. And it was sequels to all of our favorite stories and it rocked and it rolled and it was successful. But of late, I mean, you know, there's no, there, there's no interior book. And, and look, I, I believe, and, and you, you guys can circle all the way back to this. In the next five years, Jim will go back this is my prediction. I'm making a prediction. He will end his career doing an X-Men storyline one more time because he's been gone from those characters for 30 plus years. It feels like, I mean, I, I know he did them in the, the Wildstorm team up, but cause you guys want to get nitty and gritty in particular. And yeah, specials, they do matter, but not like a run, not like a storyline, not like a dedicated X-Men story. I think he will absolutely get back to it. But for now he's executive guy. He's Jim executive guy. Uh, you know, Certain people, like, I cannot separate Eric Larson from Savage Dragon. He's he's always going to be Savage Dragon guy. And and, and and yet, again, so let's, you know, we can keep bobbling and moving. And, you know, we've already discussed, like, there are serious arguments about who should get the moniker Spider-Man guy. I just give you the the, 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 the 411 on, like, who's the X-Men guy. But outside of John Byrne and Jim Lee, I, I don't have another X-Men guy. There's nobody that pops to me. Those guys are the, the, the X-Men guys. Uh, Frank Miller again is is the Batman guy. The modern day Matt Batman exists, it breathes because of him. The the Pattinson, Matt Reeves, Zoe Kravitz Batman that you're about to see is a product of Frank Miller's Batman Year One. Matt Reeves has now said it. DC is promoting it as such. They they they, they show that trade first as the one that you should jump in to buy the Batman Long Halloween, which is the first time that someone other than Frank Miller got the green light to play in Frank's backyard of Year One and that exact same story that he and David Mazzuccelli established. Well, there you have it. Batman, Frank Miller really is modern Batman guy above all things. I said he was reboot guy, but 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 reboot. I said it kind of Canadian reboot. Uh, I I think he's he. There's, there's, it's a hard. You're you're hard pressed to get around him being 
Batman guy. But again, see the branding. Sometimes it changes. Sometimes you're one thing and then you become something else. And before you know it, you know, you're executive guy or, or your toy guy. And, and, and there's time and effort into being both of those things. Uh, and you go, well, life, look, I, I just want to be creator guy. I, I, I feel like that's my, you know, when I broke off from Marvel and I launched Brigade and Youngblood and Profit and Glory and Supreme and, and, and I wanted to be prolific and launch all my characters. And to this day, I still like playing with characters. But to some people, I'm going to be Deadpool guy forever, always. And I don't mind that. I love it. You know, if, if you, I tell everybody, if you were able to have action figures and Legos and video games and like this giant Deadpool head bank that I have and, and over $1.5 billion in movie receipts, you would not mind that. You would not mind that. You would be, you would also be, you know, Deadpool guy. Kevin Eastman is Turtles guy. That's his branding. He's Turtles guy forever. And why wouldn't he be? He's fantastic. He's it, the, the, the Teenage Mutant Turtles, his re-embrace of them is, is just we have all just loved it and bought it up and consumed it. He's Turtles guy. And you know what? Another that I would focus on as we wrap up this kind of spitballing of what's your brand? Well, I think the most, this is so easy. Alex Ross, painted guy, painter guy, realistic painter guy. But most people just call him painter guy because he's the guy that brought dynamic painting to comic books in a big way with Marvels and then, you know, Kingdom Come and everything that ever followed, Astro City, uh, Alex Ross is, is no one ever did sequential painted art like he did. No one ever did single images. He's really one in a million, often imitated, never replicated. He is, uh, amazing with what he can do and, and how he uses models and lights them. And what I really became impressed with in the last 15 years, it's, it's so beyond how effortless he, he makes the lifelike realism. It is the fact that he has mixed in all manner of wicked colors and, and color schemes. And, but I mean, be honest, do you think of Alex Ross as anything other than painted guy? No, you don't. You do not. Cause that's who he is. Whether it's his Hulk covers or all the other stuff that he's got going on or his Alma, his Avengers covers. The, 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 I mean, again, you, 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 you realize as you sit here and you, you know, go through all these different people and of course, I didn't get to every possible name. There's no way I could have. This isn't a a, a you know multi-hour uh, 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 <laughs> endeavor. But the bottom line, I'm telling you right now, what's your brand? As you're coming into this business, are you champion guy? Are you scorer guy? Are you painter guy? Are you prolific guy? Team book guy? See, this is and literally, I don't think anybody in a comic store would disagree with this. George Perez, team book guy, forever. That's why we love him so much. Okay. And John Byrne, to my age, prolific, ridiculously prolific guy, okay? And Frank Miller, Batman guy, I mean, every iteration of Batman from the Michael Keaton, Tim Burton, to the Chris Nolan, to the Zack Snyder, and now to the Matt, Matt Reeves, they all invoke him. He, you know, it's hard to outrun when you're that powerful of a brand. Guys, branding, who are you? What are you bringing to the table? What are they going to know you by? If you're up and coming and I'm, uh, and I'm about to experience your work, you're about to break through, what are you? What is your brand? Branding is important. It, it, it helps you, um, you know, stand out. Some people, I, I got I, I to end this with, with, with the obvious, because the, 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 I'm sure you're like, life, how could you not? Some people, I'm pouch guy, okay? I'm, I'm no feet guy, right? I mean, again, branding is a very powerful thing. And we all bring something to it that helps us stand out in that way. Whether you're a director, blockbuster guy, or, you know, uh, uh, I think for a long time they would call Coppola the mafia guy. That's what he made. He made mafia movies, Godfather 1, Godfather 2, same with Scorsese. Obviously, that doesn't define who they are, but sometimes, you know, your brand isn't what you intend to be. It's just where you ended up. Toy guy. Executive guy. Okay. This is the time of the show where I read your reviews. And you guys have been so very generous. We need your reviews on the platform. We need your five stars, your recommendations. And thank you so much. You guys are always, I, I can't believe I always have so many great things to read from you guys. And I do that at the end of each and every show, just like I'm about to do today. This review left, uh, for the Rob observations show, uh, is by Kedron K E D R O N. Thank you so much for writing Kedron. He gave us a generous five stars. He says, uh, that this is his VIP backstage pass to all thing comic books. He says, first of all, Rob, thank you for translating your passion for comics into an insightful, exciting and entertaining podcast. This podcast is your deep dive into the comic book industry from creators to pop culture. Rob covers all of it. 
He shares his firsthand experience as a reader and as a mega talented creator and invites you backstage to see it up close and personal. Rob's contribution to the comic book world goes far beyond his line work and storytelling. This podcast is yet another way Mr. Liefeld pours back into the world that he loves so much, and I can't help but love that world more with each and every episode. P.S. Don't be surprised if you start chasing back issues as a result. Wow! Kedron, K-E-D-R-O-N, thank you so much for that generous, ridiculously generous uh, uh, review. Guys, Thank you. When you leave reviews, I read them at the end of each and every show. One as generous as Kedron, I am humbled by. Thank you so much, you guys, for listening to the show, for spreading the word, for expanding uh, uh, th- th- this show with your with your recommendations and telling your friends and turning people on to it. I appreciate it so very much. I love doing this. I love it is really an expression of passion. That's why I love it so much, and I have such a good time doing it. I am all over social media. I am on Twitter at... Robert Liefeld, the full name, R-O-B-E-R-T-L-I-E-F-E-L-D, at Robert Liefeld. That's where you can find me. I have a blue check. That means I'm legit. That means you're talking to the actual me, not an imitation. I love reading your comments, your 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 um, back and forth. I love talking to you guys on Twitter. It's so fun. Same with Instagram. I am at Rob Liefeld. Catch me just R-O-B-L-I-E-F-E-L-D. I have the blue check there as well, so you can be certain that you are talking to me. I read your comments, your DMs. Um, all the ways that you guys uh, leave messages for me. I am so appreciative of all of the follows and all of the um, amount of discussions that we have across these platforms. Thank you so much. I am on Facebook. This podcast, Rob Observations with Rob Liefeld, find it. We have a page on Facebook. Go like it. Go recommend it. Talk to us there. Leave a comment. I love talking to you guys. I am in all manner of groups on Facebook. Uh, if it was made in the 70s and the 80s and the 90s and, and it's comic books, I'm lurking somewhere. I love hanging out with you guys and talking to you. Social media is so rad because we can, you know, talk with each other so often. I love it. Thank you so much for listening to this show and 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 just thank you for all the enthusiasm that you guys bring to it. This is a time where we commit to each other. We're going to stay safe. We are going to take great care of each other and ourselves. We're going to look out for each other. We're going to get our rest. We're going to you just chill uh, let our let our you know turn our brains off. We're gonna eat good food, read comics, watch great films, have good times, discussion with our buddies, our wives, our families. Um, I really appreciate you guys so much. Please, very much. It's important to me that you take care of yourself and then circle back. Stay safe because we're gonna meet up again, and I am gonna talk to you real soon. <laughs>